when 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 I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. Yes. That's right. Hello and welcome back to the Master Keys podcast. You know what, man? If everything really goes downhill, um, I, that that song is going to be even more relevant. Yeah. You know, <laughs> when you're broke, you got to have rich habits. When the market Jammer's is down, you got to have, you know, wealth building mindset. I'm not saying that things are going to go downhill. It's just we put that clip up where we threw the word recession in there, and we're fear mongering. And I think like we're at 200,000 views. Um, so I guess people don't want our, I think that shows that everybody's thinking the same thing, but anyways, welcome back season two, episode something or other. And today we're going to be doing a chat with our buddy, Andrew Hines from Ontario. Yeah. We're in the funny seats where we have to sit beside each other awkwardly. We don't like doing that. Whoa. (laughs) Um, and uh, yeah, it's because we got Andrew Hines on the show today. Yeah, exactly. He's a, he's an investor and podcaster in Ontario, and he does some interesting stuff. He's now purchasing a campground, oh. and he's kind of doing some alternative investments. So stay tuned. We go over it all. He kind of gets a breakdown on some of the financing things, how he expects to make money, and kind of what he's seeing coming in the future with interest rates and where he thinks the Ontario market's going to go. Yeah, we've been hearing all your questions asking like, well, so what should we do? Now that things might be coming up on a slowdown, now the interest rates are up. So we ask him that question as someone who's done a lot of stuff. His solution to it in part has been he's getting out of Dodge. He's uh, investing (laughs) down in Florida. Um, Well, that's something you've talked about a lot. This idea of investing in the U.S. uh, is is really interesting. So I think there's a lot in this conversation people will like. I loved hearing about the campground thing. This is something when we had Sarah Larby on and she was talking about her resort project. He's doing this whole Airbnb model at a you traditional campground. Um, you guys are through your yurts. Yeah, we talk, there's, there's two of types of people in the world, Neil. hard assets. They're going after canvas tents. Hey, there's two people, <laughs> two types of people in the world, Neil. People who own yurts and people who don't own yurts. So <laughs> get, on one side. get on my yurt <laughs> level. Uh, we're going to talk about this cool stuff he's doing. And um, yeah, follow along, listen, like, smash, subscribe. Please do that stuff. A lot of you are watching and you're not pressing the damn button. It takes two seconds. Press the button. We beg of you. Yes. All right, check it out. Here it is. Thanks. All right, Andrew, thanks uh, so much for joining us here again. This is Andrew Hines. Um, We're going to get right into things here. Uh, Are you good to just introduce yourself? Yeah, so that's my name, Andrew Hines, and uh, podcast host out of southwestern Ontario, well, Burlington area, GTA. And uh, I invest in Ontario, uh, London, and I just bought a campground up in... uh, Tobermory area, which is a kind of a place that a lot of people like to go these days. And then also a Florida investor, Cape Coral, Florida. So uh, I'm known for student rentals, new construction, and, you know, burring properties, all those types of things, probably what you get a lot of on this show and and hear a lot of on other real estate shows. So uh, that's kind of the short version of it. And we can dive in wherever you guys like. Yeah, maybe we'll bug you with a couple more detailed questions. But so I guess what is your, like, where did you start with this? You mentioned a little bit earlier before we hopped on the mic that you have a construction company. What was kind of like your progress? I know for like me, it was, I was flipping cars and then I wanted to flip homes uh, and I kind of worked my way into it. Where did you start? What kind of introduced you to it and what brought you into the game? So similar to what you told me earlier today when, when you were on my show uh, is uh, yeah, I, I started the company to facilitate my own burr projects and flips because having my own employees, like with people who wouldn't leave the site, like as <laughs> most people know these days, it's hard to get people who just stay on your site. And, and how much faster could you be, especially burning private money? You know how important it is to be to be fast so you can get to that point of refinance. So I would be doing um, projects that, you know, I'm building an addition and and closing it in and having it ready for people to move in in like two and a half months. Yeah. And people could not even fathom that with you know right. today's standard of delivery, you know, today's nope. standard of delivery for a project like that's like eight months. So if not 12, so it just depends. So that was the big, the big reason for it. And it, it, it happened sort of by accident because the first project I did, you know, it was, I don't know if you can hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there. Congratulations, new dad. <laughs> He's teething. Yeah. He's teething. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, the first project I did, you know, it was, 
it, it was that problem. I couldn't get people. So eventually I found some people that I wanted to keep around and they weren't the entrepreneurial type. They wanted to be, you know, on payroll. And that was, that was, you know, the, the start of it didn't really want to have employees personally. So I started the company. And then before I knew it, I was getting asked to build other people's projects. Uh, so I started getting into sort of volume production, building of townhouses and oh, wow. uh, things of that nature and uh, doing some, some custom homes now building out a, helping build out 126 houses oh, in wow. the uh, Sarnia area, Blue Point, uh, wow. like on the water of Lake Huron. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this is stuff like active business that, you know, isn't necessarily the goal of a real estate investor, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a make sense kind of thing for me. It, it fits within my skill set, and you know, I'm kind of growing an organization around that. It's still crucial. You got to have a cash flow in the interim to make it so you can survive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys are realtors. I figured, you know yeah. what, this, that, and one of the things about that was by doing that, I didn't need to sell as many projects. So I was doing burrs yeah. and doing, you know, taking on clients and by not needing to live off the income from flips, you know, I could, I could, you know, basically just keep them and, and build my portfolio. And that was, that was super helpful. And that was really why I started doing that. How frustrating is it when you're doing a project and one tradesperson goes and you're expecting them to finish something and then you call them and like, Oh, well, there was a pipe in the way. So we just, we left. We're not done. We just left. And you're <laughs> yeah. like, okay, sick. Like yeah. I can get that pipe fixed tonight. So you're going to come back tomorrow. And he's like, yeah. well, I could be back yeah. in about a week and a half. And you're like, yeah. And now the next person's like, well, we yeah. can't start because those people didn't do the thing. Uh, so we're going to push you back. We yeah. Can, yeah. Well, that was where I was at with the student rentals. It was like, there was no room for error. Cause I would close on these properties in April sometimes. And students would be moving in in September, September yeah. one. Right. So I got to close. We got to, we got to got what we need to gut. We got to start, you know, putting, pouring foundations or, or peers for additions and get it all closed in and back put together so that it could be rented out for September one. That's a four month time frame. Um, it just didn't work with exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, we can't get back until next week. Sure. I can tolerate that when I'm doing production building of, you know, a larger stuff that there's yeah. just no way I'm going to have every employee on my payroll that's going to do all that work. Yeah, yeah. But on the smaller stuff, it, yeah, it, it definitely helps to have the, those employees able to, to tackle it for you. 100%. Um, so basically, so did you get into student housing then pretty much immediately or what was? That was, that was the start of it. Yeah. Yeah. So a friend of mine was doing it. I was watching him. Like I, I shouldn't say that was the first thing. Like the first couple were just buy and hold single family homes back like 20, 2011 start of the year. It was, no, it was mid, mid 2011 was my first. And then, you know, 2012 started the year. I uh, got, I went down into the States and started buying in Ohio in 2012. Um, you know, these are kind of outlining for you some of my failures. Uh, and then I, I, I ran out of money. So I, I tried to, you know, do a, a little partnership where I would tear down a house in London, Ontario and, and build a duplex, went through the site plan process, got the neighbors all upset. They called me a big, bad <laughs> Toronto developer and, uh, you know, asked my project and I ended up having to hang on to that for like five years to get my investors money back <laughs> and uh, until the market came back to kind of get what we had sunken into it. Cause it was supposed to be like a teardown yeah. and okay. uh, you know, ended yeah. up, we already had the line snipped to, uh, you know, to tear it down. It and, won't and be needing this. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I got to put all that back in. And then had to actually call them and get them to hook it back up uh, <laughs> after that happened. You know, I had the gas line cut, had to get the gas line drilled back in. So, you know, uh, I had some, I had some bumps and scrapes early on. And that kind of got me out of the game. And then in 2015, I was kind of watching my friend, you know, I, I was tail between the legs, you know, totally, uh, you know, at a point where I'm like, I, all I've done is fail in real estate. Like I'm not even doing this anymore. And then my friend just kept crushing these hundred thousand dollar flips. I'm like, I can't let him just do all this and <laughs> knowing that I can do it too. And I uh, jumped back in and, and I was kind of, he was a realtor and still is. And he was giving me sort of the projects, his B projects. They weren't like A level right. projects, but he'd give me the ones that were like, there's still meat on the bone, just not as much as the ones he would take. Yeah. And uh, that was why I had to build additions because he would take the ones that didn't need additions. Anything that didn't need addition, he'd snap it up. But the ones that did need additions, he didn't want to do. And I'm yeah. like, okay, I guess I got to learn how to do additions and <laughs> had to hire the yep. team. So that, and then I just ended up getting good at that. And that was kind of, kind of where, uh, you know, I specialized in it for a while. Where'd the interest come from? Like what, what made you think that you were going to do real estate? Because that's not, uh, it, it's pretty ambitious to just say, yeah, I was going to do this. From, not for from the faint of heart. Yeah. Well, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. My parents, uh, my mom was an entrepreneur. My dad was a school teacher and I, my mom wasn't really like an active entrepreneur. She did it like sort of part-time while we were at home. She wanted to stay home with us, you know, as we were growing up. So, um, 
things were tight growing up and I heard my parents kind of argue about money and, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to be more, you know, more uh, liquid, more successful and, and find a way to do it better. So I thought going to school, going to business school, learning about being an entrepreneur, these things would all help. And ultimately what I realized is school doesn't teach you how to be an entrepreneur. Even if you go to business mm-hmm. school and take entrepreneurship courses, mm-hmm. the only thing that teaches you about being an entrepreneur is being an entrepreneur. Yeah. So I, I, uh, saw people renting out student rentals. I saw students renting out and paying $500 a room times. There's these buildings right in front of Western universities, front gates. There's four buildings, four levels, and they all had five bedroom apartments and it was $500 a bedroom. And I'm like, Oh my God, like my mind was just blown at that time. Cause this is back like 2006. Yeah. And you know, at that time, that that was huge cash flow, huge cash flow uh, coming off these buildings. And I, I know that guy now that, that owns those buildings, but he really inspired me. And I'm like, I need to do this. That Those buildings alone would have made more money than my parents, like way mm-hmm. more. And I'm like, okay, so that's just what I need to do. I just need to own buildings like that. And, <laughs> and I didn't figure that out for many years after, but I knew that I wanted to get into real estate. And it was just a long, bumpy road to figuring out what I didn't know. Because obviously you try something and you don't have good advice or you don't have people who have done it to, to you know, copy you make mistakes and that's what mm-hmm. I did. It doesn't all click until you, you until you do it. I, the same thing, man. I messed up my first yeah. couple. Like you just, you do it and in your head it works one way, but you find out once you get into it that things either cost mm-hmm. way more or things are impossible. Like you said, like you got shut down for the duplex, whatever it is, and you will make some mistakes. Unfortunately, you need to be able to have the capital to get through those things or the ability mm-hmm. to like time that kind of saves your bacon. I think this market saved a lot of people from, they made mistakes, yeah. but the market was growing so fast that they, they were able to get out of it. But There's going to be a lot of mistakes. It saved everyone. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Everyone looked like a genius in, in myself included. Like <laughs> oh, I, had yeah, part, I had projects that didn't go as well as I wanted. One project I did that if I had sold it when I was finished, I would have made like 20 grand. I'm like, there's no way I'm selling this for 20 grand. I'm just going to keep it. Yeah. Uh, you know what? But and the then market then. Like a genius. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like so many people who, who practice bad fundamentals in the last you know five years were rewarded for it but but uh and i'm sure there's a quote about this when the tide goes out you see who's swimming without shorts on and uh you know there will be that time where that happens where the people who weren't investing with with fundamentals will get hurt by it and uh, that's why i always talk about the fundamentals cash flow what keeps you in the game you know buying for cash flow even though you know you really win and we talked about this earlier you really win on uh appreciation and mortgage pay down those are the big ones that 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 make it happen over time yeah Mm -hmm. But full disclosure, I'm not wearing uh, shorts right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's let's talk about that because the implication of what you're saying now, where where we are right now, rates are up. Um, we're not going to see the appreciation over the next 12 months that we've seen in in the last mm-hmm. 24, 30. Um, what are you foreseeing right now? Like, where where are you seeing in your market, um, and how is this changing? Maybe what you're doing. I think all the candidates sees a lot of the same, right? We, we see, we see that, uh, you know, interest rates are being raised by the bank of Canada. So naturally there's gotta be give, right? So if a cap cap rates were super low, now cap rates are going to have to come up a bit to offset the, uh, the higher interest. So I see a, a rocky road. I know we talked, we dove into this topic a little bit, uh, when you guys were on my podcast earlier. And I really do think that, that we're going to see some crazy stuff in the next year or so, uh, where, people are going to be made to feel uncomfortable. Um, I I don't think that we can sustain, based on traditional economic theory, I don't think our government can sustain increasing these interest rates because it's going to stifle our economy, it's going to cause negative economic growth, and it's still not going to stop the inflation problem. Uh, So where do we go with that? Like, I think eventually there's either going to be a conclusion that we either can't can't control this inflation or we can't stop it. We'll just, you know, learn to live with it. Or we will see them do something like they did in the 1980s, which I mean, the fallout from, you know, getting interest rates into the teens would not be, uh, would not be something most Canadians would want to see. Do you think there's an alternative see, right? solution to that though, outside of just jacking interest rates? What's another option to kind of cooling uh, the inflation that we're facing? Well, I mean, obviously what you see them doing, like they can put a tax on foreign buyers. Um, you know, there are other things, basically taxes are the other way because your typical economic levers are lowering, lowering interest rates. Uh, well, that's the primary one, right? Lower interest rates, lower regulations. That's how you stimulate an economy. So the other side of that is they can just make it more cumbersome to buy, add more red tape. Um, mm. 
but that's obviously not going to be great. The, the big benefit we could we could see would be you know an increase in supply because we we both know well, we all know that we have a supply challenge, um, very much so in Ontario, uh, especially the area I'm in. Um, you know, we're Burlington, you'll, you'll see like a, an 800 square foot bungalow trade for $1.4 million. And it's just <laughs> silly, silly numbers. That's it? Yeah. Really not nice stuff either. And like not a great neighborhood. Say that again. Uh, that's a thousand square foot bungalow. How much? 800. Don't get carried away. In- oh, there sorry. Was like 800. 800. It, no, this was in the peak I saw. Yeah. It was yep. like 1.4 million and it not, not in a great neighborhood. Was either. it nice? It just, no, not at all. <laughs> like that needs work. So that needs work. I want to go back to your previous comment of like, because he asked, where do you think the market's going to go? And you're saying it's all, it's similar across Canada. And it is. Um, but this is where like our big saving grace here in Nova Scotia is like, you can't rebuild that house land or not for the same yeah. price that you paid. That 800 square foot bungalow, you could build that out of gold bricks basically. Yeah. So you're dropping a million bucks on that land, if not more. Yeah. Does that not lead to some concern? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna buy that kind of thing. I think that's yeah, a terrible yeah. fundamental buy. Um, yeah. especially because you don't really have the, the way to, unless, you know, you can develop that land and, you know, put a duplex a, triplex a on it. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, you're going to need a heck of a lot more than a duplex to make, make your money on that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't think that those are wise buys. And, and I'm, I'm with you guys on that. I want to look for the areas that are sort of underpriced to begin with knowing that water flows to the lowest point and that people are going to be, um, people are going to be aware of this, right? Like if, if things all of a sudden get way too expensive in Ontario, people start thinking, well, maybe I should move to Alberta. One of my best friends moved out to Alberta. Maybe I should go out East. Maybe I can make my dollar stretch further if I look elsewhere in Canada or if I look elsewhere in Ontario. And people have been doing this for a long time. And that's why you see these other smaller communities. They were a deal and they aren't anymore because yeah. people just said, well, you know what? I get to work from home. I don't need to be in the office every day. I can, I can live three hours away from Toronto and just come in once a week. Yeah. If that's what it takes. So some people are doing that. People who are retiring, they're realizing, hey, if we sell our house here in Burlington, we can move, we can move up north or we can move down to Windsor and live a lavish lifestyle with the you know the money we keep in the transition. Or we can just get so much more house to retire in if we want that or whatever. Um, yeah, so we that, talk- that kind of thing is going to keep happening. Yeah, and we talk about this is that the area by area, we're competing for people. Here domestically mm-hmm. in, in Canada, we're competing for the young human capital that moves between provinces. And as Nova Scotia, we were losing those people for years and years to bigger markets. And now Halifax mm-hmm. is having a lot of those people come back. Um, and then we're also strongly encouraging net migration from outside of Canada. Um, and that's going to buoy some of these prices up, which is why I think that we're not going to see the pullback that some people are expecting. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think is, uh, it's going to be area by area, but what do you think prices might do here in the next six months? I mean, in 2017, we saw as much as a 25% correction in some markets in the GTA. That was in 2017. I mean, there's no reason uh, that we, we couldn't see more 25%. than that. 25%. Yeah. There's there's no reason that that shouldn't happen again. I'm not saying that it will. Um, actually, I'll give you some. There are some reasons, some market factors. See, here are the competing forces. Of course, we have this targeted 400,000 people to come into the country every year, and we can yeah. only do we can only create 200,000 new houses a year right now in in Canada. That situation is not getting any better with the lethargic uh, approval process pretty much across Ontario, and then of course other provinces have their own challenges and, and the supply and chain of materials and everything like that. Supply chain construction yeah. hugely difficult to get people to show up to work for for general labor jobs. Um, white collar seems to be where people want to go. Trades, we're, we're obviously, we're, we have a little bit of a shortage. We need more people in the trades. So there's all these factors that make it really hard to rebuild these units. And we talked about cost of, of replacement. And I've always been big on buying things that under the cost of replacement because people need a place to live no matter what. Economy's up, economy's down. People need a place to live. And if they can't rebuild that house, then how how low can, can prices really go? Mm-hmm. They can drop down because of panic, but that, how can they stay down? Mm-hmm. You know, if people need continue to need a place to live, it's also yeah. so yeah, we think we need to. I think we need to be very politically engaged in the sense that you need to monitor what your local governments are doing and mm-hmm. how they're encouraging people to come to your area mm-hmm. or not. Because yeah. yeah, people are always going to need a place to live until they decide to leave your town, uh, which is <laughs> yeah. when you get a situation like Detroit. Right. I don't know if have you been to Detroit? I have. Yeah. It's scary. 
Like it, it's terrible. Um, there definitely are some scary spots. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but I mean, just from a, a like, it looks like a, a, a wasteland because the this is not a, no houses. It's on not them. an exaggeration yeah. where mm-hmm. it would go house, empty lot, empty lot, boarded up house, yeah. house, empty lot, to the point that they were actually as the city. Uh, the city made a decision to tear down a number of houses because the yeah. empty abandoned homes were pulling down the value of yeah. the still remaining occupied homes. So you couldn't sell your home for $40,000. Yep. These are real numbers because there was an empty house down the street that someone could buy at auction for $12,000. So in order yeah. to help you sell your $40,000 house, they tore down the $12,000 home. This is a real thing that was going on in Detroit when you have a max mass exodus of people so yeah i think it behooves us as investors to also take yeah. stock of what our governments are doing and monitor our 100 do we have a government that is doing things to entice people to come to your to area bring people to come in yeah, yeah. well i have experienced this firsthand because i invested in youngstown ohio which was a dying city for like 50 years it was a bad decision how was, the hell did you very, end up down there yeah what, what drove you to that you glossed over that at the beginning. I, I'm like, did he yeah, say yeah. Oshawa or Ohio? <laughs> yeah, Ohio. Uh, I had a client that was investing there. He's like, you, you got to tra- check this out. I'm buying houses, $10,000, you know, renting them out. And not to say that you can't do well there because you can. I'm not saying that you can't. But the way I did it didn't work well. Uh, <laughs> I didn't really have the systems in, in place. But there's a place where, you know, you're buying houses for these price. If you need significant work to a house, like if there's like, a water leak that causes damage, it's probably better investment decision to tear, to tear the house down than it is to try and fix it. You're, yeah. you're, you're in a, a market oh where God, cost of replacement is still, is still, you know, $300,000 for this duplex at the time that I had. And uh, it was worth, you know, 15,000, but I would pay the closing costs. So, you know, I'd maybe get 10,000 out of it if it was fixed up. And, uh, Yes, the, you know, the cap rates down there, you know, like 20%, whatever, but <laughs> it's just, That's it's insane. just not wise. You know, Youngstown, it, 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 Ohio, so I mean, I got to Google that. You see yeah. like a hurricane coming, you're like, oh God, it's going to blow away my <laughs> yeah. entire portfolio. <laughs> you know, I just made so many unwise, unwise decisions around that. And, and it, in theory, it sounded great. And, and you know what, to a savvy, experienced investor that, that can set up the systems, I think it could be highly lucrative. Mm. It's just, I wasn't that savvy investor at the time. And yeah. uh, I always had, you know, at the time I, I figured, you know, I'm going to be aggressive at this age. I'm going to, I'm going to do things that maybe, maybe I'll make mistakes. I just didn't fully think through just how those mistakes would affect me and, you know, cleaning up these messes, how, how that would suck um, to do. So I, I kind of use that as tuition though. I, everything I learned there, yeah, I've yeah. applied into how I conduct my business now and I don't make those mistakes anymore. And and it's been very valuable learning. I'll say that at least. I was going to say that that's a huge education thing. I'm not like trying to poke fun or anything like that. Um, Cause I, I've looked at the same, I'm sort of looking in, in the States in different places and there's always, like you said, there's an opportunity that you might be able to capitalize on it. And I have seen in Detroit, um, there's a lot of like these families that will go to the auctions and buy a ton mm. of houses and they rent them out for low rents, but they're picking the houses up, like you're saying, for like eight, 10, 12, 14,000 bucks. And they're buying like 150 of them at a time. And yeah. I think by doing it at mass, mm. they're able to, well, they can control the market a little bit. They mm. have a bit of control yeah. over like a little mm. bit of an area and they're able to kind of like win on some. And even if you lose on 10% of them, like you're just prepared yeah. that 10% of them are going to be right off. Yeah. Then you know what I mean? But if you're, if you're, and that's an active business, few, right? Yeah. yeah. If you have local people who can help you, you believe in them, trust them, like, um, you know, you, you build a team out around that. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. In my case, my property manager, uh, was broke unbeknownst to me and was taking my rents that he was collecting from my tenants and not. just using it for his own spending and not giving it to me. So, um, and you know, one of those guys that, you know, would make you feel bad as he screws you over and, oh, uh, yeah. Like Shout make me feel like I'm the bad guy. <laughs> he let my, my house get destroyed. Like uh, the tenant, uh, they, they bypassed the water meter, I guess. And then the water got left on, flooded the whole house. Like the, the wooden fan blades were like sagging like that. When uh, I, uh, no. <laughs> when I uh, found them and I'm just like, oh man. So um, that, that was a, uh, that did was Did you messy. sell the house? What did you do with that? I gave it to him. 
I, I did a quick him. claim. I gave it. I did a quick claim for the taxes owing. So he he basically just took the, the tax burden on, and that was that. So that was my salvage on that one. Not a you know. At the end of the day, I'm I'm grateful. It was. It could have been much worse. It was. I think I'm. I think I was out like thirty grand after everything. Not the worst um, thing in the world. A huge education learning experience. Could have been worse. Yeah. Could have been worse. Yeah. I've paid more and gotten less. I was say, yeah. You, you, at least you lost that thirty grand on a small place like that. It'd be worse if you got like heavily invested on a big project and yeah. got hosed um yeah you mentioned um kind of the outdated dilapidated system that we have for permitting and it seems like it's like this everywhere in canada do you guys ever think i'm asking chandler this too like do you guys ever think that there's actually some merit to it in the sense that if everything went through and then we built as much as everyone's fired up to do we would be a lot more volatile market and i say that because in the states they run a much higher vacancy rate. Like they run like a 7% mm -hmm. vacancy in a lot of places, 10% vacancy, even in the booming towns. And it means that when yeah. things slow down or turn around, they get hit hard. Well, it depends what your objective is. Housing is also a lot cheaper in a lot of states. Like, oh, sorry, like as I'm saying, as, as an investor, as, an as, investor, an investor okay. as, a, as a homeowner or somebody trying to rent, terrible. As an investor, we want fewer properties. Exactly. Out there. So I'm like, yeah. for, as an investor, there's yeah. almost there's almost a merit and a benefit to it. I would say as, as a homeowner or a renter, it's it's terrible. And really, it's funny because it's investors and developers outlook. that are the ones that are rallying for them to like approve stuff. And I feel like homeowners and renters are not. And they're the ones that are actually going to benefit from it. Well, that's like when I was, uh, you know, getting ready to build this 60 unit project. I'm like, yeah, let's go, baby. And then I see like a bunch of like build, baby, build. And then I see other projects going up. I'm like, Oh no, these are all competitors. Let's not build that quickly. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, you know, th this is the, the fine line. Yeah. Um, I don't know that red tape bureaucracy that slows down housing for years on end is, is truly beneficial. Ever a good thing. Yeah. yeah. No, I, well, I mean, we, we have that supply problem, right? So yes, I, yeah. I think that it could make it volatile, but I mean, you look at how, how propped up the market was by, by the, um, the way that demand just surpassed supply by so much. It was such a seller's market for so long. I mean, a balanced market, it'd be cool to see what the prices would be just in a balanced market. Like, are you guys even in a balanced market where you are right now? No, not even close. No, no. still a seller's market, just less Very of a much so. It's only like, it right now, it's yeah. like maybe only three of four places sell in multiple offers instead of four yeah. of four. Um, so the how many days on market are you on right now? Like how many days? On usually average? like sellers run a program whereby they hold offers for five or six days. Um, yeah. so the days on market would be however long the seller waits to take an offer yeah. plus whatever, like, so I, I say so you're, you're effectively zero days on market. Like it's, it's your day. average yeah. days on market, according to your like system would be like 15 days or something. Um, it was so yeah, high. It's getting averaged down. I think we're probably down yeah. to like. Also, 30, like our, our the nuance of our data collection isn't awesome. So, like there'd be a vacant gotcha. lot in there that it sat for three hundred days and it skews all yeah, the numbers, okay, right? But gotcha. um, I'm trying to find the market data, we're still getting like on a weekly basis. It usually comes out at eighty to eighty-five percent of homes are still selling over list price. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So it's it's still very much like you're saying a seller's market, yeah. but I think the garbage is not going as quickly or as high. Right, just. Just to, if people have a little bit more options, right? Like, you know what I mean? When everybody feels like, I got to get this or I'm not going to get anything, they lower their standards. Man, right? it That's is naturally. amazing the difference that even one other home in the neighborhood, like how that changes the dynamic. Like you put three homes that are all similar and give buyers options and the steam that that takes out of the bidding mm -hmm. is, it's crazy. That's why the yeah. issue has always been supply, supply, supply. Yeah. Like and that issue is not going anywhere. It isn't right. So, so no, we can yeah. still remain in, we can watch real estate prices come down and still remain in a seller's market the whole time. And I'm not saying that every city will experience it the same because I don't, that's think an so. interesting point. Yeah. yeah. There's we a certainly side, could. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah, to, to the point, I think that, yeah, we could see a more volatile market if it was balanced and maybe we will. Um, yeah. But I don't think that that's happening here. That's that's more of a U.S. thing. Think about the U.S. There's just so many places you can go. Like you yeah. can just you can just pick up and go to another major and city. And they do. Like we only have yeah yeah they they, they we seem only to have do so many more. major cities here. Like here in yeah. Canada, you, you're very much defined by your province, and I find people are really reluctant to move about. And we have like such little density compared to the states that. I don't know, people aren't as transient here, but it's nothing for people in the U.S., it seems, to just up and move states very quickly. And their political climate is so binary that every four years you might consider changing states, right? Like, that's mm -hmm. how volatile I think where they're also either. very patriotic about their political party, that 
like you're saying, like if, if a political party swaps, like I'm leaving the state, and you're <laughs> yeah, like, like this place has gone to crap, and they they will literally yeah. leave. And then, but I think there's like you're saying, there's also big cities everywhere. There's an opportunities then in all those big cities. Like if you yeah. do something here, you might not be able to find a job in the next one in Canada versus there. Almost always, yeah. can you find the next job? And then, like you're saying, I think inventory. I think you can go to any big city in the states, and there will be a spec home available that you can buy and move into today. Yeah. So what are you working on right that now? That is changing, like, like, though. Yeah. It, yeah. Go go ahead. Yeah. Well, I'm just, sorry. I just, I just kind of wanted to, to just switch gears here real quick. Like, what do you sure. what do you have on the go right now? Like, so right now, I uh, recently purchased a uh, campground trailer park up in Tobermory area in Ontario, oh, and that's. We're, we're launching and it's uh, long weekends are our launch. And so it's, uh, it's May been intense. Weekend. Okay. Yeah. May long weekend. So, I mean, I don't know, we're going to learn just how many people really want to camp on, on that cold weekend. I mean, it could be warm, but it's always hit and miss. So uh, it's, it's a mix of uh, what we're doing is, is maintaining the existing operations to a degree. We ended our seasonal program. So there were a number of seasonal um, trailer park uh, renters that were just, they, they rented a slip for a, for a, a full season at a time. We kind of came in knowing that the price we paid for the park, that was never going to work. And um, we decided we we're going to do a glamping model where we're actually staging tents and trailers and we're going to be renting them out on Airbnb. And that's launching in June, that part of it. So, yeah, I saw that um, on your social media. I saw like a yeah. yurt sort of type thing, like which is like yeah, a fancy tent. I'm a yurt owner yeah, now. Yeah, nice, so nicer I looking look, tents. I don't know if I'd call here. it a yurt. But but yeah, yurt? it's a... Yeah, I've got a yurt. You don't know about this movie? <laughs> Sorry, <Very> cool. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to talk about that year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, kind of inspired from that, that theme, but you know, to, to be able to go camping and maybe you don't have to set up a tent you, and you don't have to sleep in a sleeping bag on an air mattress or worse, you, you know, you can have a queen bed, nice pillow and still be with nature. And, um, so, you know, we did that, built them up off the ground with decks and, and, you know, they kind of get to do outdoors light and do camping light. And then of course yeah, with the trailers, we're, we're going to be directly competing for kind of hotel stay stays. Um, you know, people who would have stayed in a hotel, they can, you know, come be with wilderness, be right in the middle of, um, you know, we have obviously Tobermory and, and all you can do there, you know, go see flower pot Island and all that. Uh, also lion's head. We're 15 minutes from that. We're, we're 10 minutes from the grotto, which are all the major tourist attractions. So we really love, you know, the location of this and the fact that it's kind of hard to get, hotels up there in the summer and everybody wants to be in Tobermory. So I'm uh, pretty excited about that. This is something where I feel um, that isn't being done here. When we no. talk about stuff that people, your market is five, call it five years ahead of us, right? At least. Um, the fact that you're looking at doing something like this, and we had Sarah Larby on here, who I think you also know and have talked to, mm-hmm. and she's doing something really interesting, she's sort of in, in, in a cottage uh, resort type uh, type thing. And then there was that Netflix show where um, yeah. those women took an old, like mid-century motel. The old hotel. Yeah, and, and yeah. did it over. Um, That's and not put far up, from our, our campground. Oh, it's yeah. about 45 minutes. It's got all these yeah. signs that says, like, Rosé all day. And he'll just go <laughs> yeah, there and take Instagram. Yeah, there's Beach area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The best yeah, thing they right. did, the, the best thing they did was uh, was their branding and their totally. their social media. Like, totally. I mean, I think that's all nothing that wrong is. with the hotel, but yeah. but it was it was really how they positioned it and 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 pushed it out there. And and then of course 100. the Netflix show doesn't hurt. But yeah, 100%. it kind of caught on. You know, we, we looked at that and we're like, okay, we can take some of that inspiration. And I just saw like the appetite, especially during lockdowns for for hospitality stays and people crushing it in like cottage mm-hmm. country for Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Bees, doing a thousand twelve hundred dollars a night on weekends up in Sable yeah. Beach area for Airbnb houses. I, I house. really wanted to get into it, but we wanted Damn. something that would scale. Wanted something that would scale. So I'm like, well, what if we, you know, what if we get a campground? We can do twenty of these. Thirty and also, of these, also doing something unique, right? Like you're taking yeah. something like, all right, well, let's turn the dial just a tiny bit here yeah. and do something different. I have so many questions. Yeah, yeah, I like this. We're gonna stay on yeah. this topic for a bit. That's cool. First, 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 first <laughs> all of our shit just got thrown out. So. Yeah. First question: yeah. Why the hell do you have a yurt? Okay, yeah. so I bought this property uh, that is a triplex, uh, and also has one of the a yurt. Is a yurt, and, and, and then the <laughs> four, then it has a yurt, and uh, the people were running it as an Airbnb. Long term, my plan is to redevelop it oh, into a series so of sure? Yeah, yeah, this one that's so short. Okay, I thought about this. Like, yeah, we're gonna go down there and we're gonna do an episode with the yurt. Neil's gonna spend a night in the yurt. <laughs> um, put, put that on Airbnb, man. People, people will like it. The, the, the yurt makes more money than the units 
right next door that are inside uh, and then have running water. The yurt also does business all through the winter uh, because people will still go in the winter and go to that yurt. And it's amazing, man. It's got a queen size bed to your point. It has a fully finished floor. It has a propane um, stove. It has a wood stove as well. It's it's lovely. You know, I got I to gotta add to this. I just got back from BC and I rented a van. I rented a, a Westphalia. It's a 1984 Westphalia. Yeah. And I paid... This faux three, hipster over here. Yeah, I paid... Like nostalgia <laughs> before I paid $350 born. a night for a 1984 van that probably is worth about 20 grand. And so like yeah. 350 bucks a night for weekdays. Weekdays in the spring when it's cold. Like, but yeah. anyways, I want to ask you, Andrew, what was financing like to buy That's that That's what thing? I was going to ask too. How, do you how, how, did, how did you finance that? We did it all private. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so right now we're, we're private funds. Uh, but I mean, what we paid for it, uh, we, we got a valuation a million dollars more than we paid for it nice. right when we bought it. So we were able to get uh, a little extra to cover what we wanted to put in into it. Yeah. And, um, this year's focus is really, really, uh, pushing the top line, um, showing that we can, we can generate some serious gross profit, um, and then operational income, of course, and then go back and, you know, try and upgrade our, our financing in tiers. So depending on how we perform this year, maybe we can get institutional next year. If not, you know, we'll, we'll get a, you know, an upgrade in our private financing with a slightly better rate, hopefully. So you're prepared and, uh, to carry it for two building. years with the private money? Whatever it is, it is. Uh, at the end of the day, if it, if it has to be, it will. Uh, we know what our number is to break even. And, you know, if it, if it ends up, being that we'll, you know, we won't, we won't have quite as much taking away um, as we would, we, we would otherwise, that's okay. It's, it's part of getting this stabilized and getting it, getting it to a point where we have our systems, we have our people, and now we can really scale this up. Because I also look at this and I, I know that every single year I can add income to this property. There's 90 acres. So, and, and we have a river running down one side and we're, you know, we're five minutes to the lake, Miller Lake. So, um, we, we've just got so much potential on the property of what we can do. A little experience. No zoning restrictions. Once you're just kind of good to go, right? Uh, no, there are zoning restrictions, so we can't operate year round right now. And I don't even think it's feasible for us to rezone it based on the fact that it's controlled. Uh, it's, it's, it's protected with, uh, Bruce Peninsula. So they have, they have restrictions as to what you can do, what you can't do. Uh, but we are permitted to, it's weird. We can rent seven months out of 10 not 12, seven months out of 10, which in my mind, that's seven eight point like three. Ah, the old Aztec calendar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, we're allowed to have trailers, anything, anything mobile. Uh, so for the tents, of course, of course, those can be moved, uh, anything with wheels. So, you know, if we can find some tiny homes with wheels, that's, that's on the table. Um, you know, I'm going to see if there's creative ways we can throw in a tree house or, you know, stuff like that. But then of course, Airbnb experiences, it's, it's commercial use. So, you know, if we can sell experiences and, uh, you know, do different things on the land, then by all means, we're going to do that. 90 acres is a lot of space. So mm-hmm. lots to explore and kind of lots to add to it. So, yeah. So when you bought it, like in your head, the idea, like, was it, so you bought it, it basically is like buying a business, right? So I'm assuming you, you basically bought the entire business. And you bought it mm-hmm. off the revenue that it's creating now, and there was a multiplier on that. Is that right? I mean, we don't know if the, if the owner had anything specific. Like when we looked at it, we just knew what you know a single Airbnb cottage in in Sobel, which okay. is forty five minutes away, could do. And then we just looked at it and said, well, even if the existing operations only stay status quo, yeah, we know all we need to do is add X number of units that perform like you know, say one of my business partners, one of his units does just add X number that perform like that. And we'll, we'll hit what we need to break even. And then everything after that is gravy. So that was, that was sort of the the thought going in and it was a whole lot of faith in ourselves and what we could do. And then of course uh, the increased demand for people who want to tour Ontario. Okay. So, and then this is a, this is a cash flow play then really, is that kind of the objective? Yeah. I mean, a long-term wealth play was, was primarily primarily the, the thought. And we know that anything we're, we're going to make from it, we're probably just going to invest back into the business unless we honestly can't figure out a way to use that money to make more money. So as long as we can find a way to put that money to work and make more money with it, we'll keep it in the business. What's it called? Until, and, and does it have like a social media presence now getting ready for the launch? Yeah, we're just getting it all set up. So uh, it's Maple Ridge Family Camp. That's the name that it had when we bought it. So we kept that. Um, we've, we've got our glamping brand, which is Grotto Getaway. And uh, so if I think it's the Grotto Getaway Glamp 
on Instagram if uh, you want to check yeah. it out. These are fresh pages, but you know we certainly appreciate the support. I don't know when when this is going to air, but if uh, if people are in Ontario and they want to they want to come check it out, um, you know I'd definitely be happy Use to our have promo them. Code and, at Master Keys. <laughs> Man, so I'm, yeah, yeah. We, maybe we can get a get a promo key, uh, promo code for this. Yeah, we'll we'll do awesome. that. So master keys. Let's do uh, it. Yeah, master keys. We'll do that, and uh, just remind me that after, and we'll get that set up so that they can get a discount. Sweet. So I'm I'm kind of uh I just want to backtrack. So it was a camping site in the sense that there was no permanent structures there at all, and people would just come and pitch their own tent. But there were also some people there with RVs. Kind of deal. Yeah, we had yeah. transient trailer sites. Yeah, so we had okay. service trailer sites. So uh, a good number of them, I think, I think fourteen of them had uh, sewage connection as well. So um, I think we had forty some odd, and I don't even know the exact numbers. We have forty some odd that have water and electric, and then out of those forty, we have uh, fourteen that have also sewage connection. Mm-hmm. So for those ones, we we picked those sites specifically saying we want our own trailers on these sites staged and on Airbnb because we don't have to move them to, to dump sewage. We can, we can just leave them in place Mm -hmm. and don't ever have to move them for the other sites. They don't work well for us to do that type of model. And of course that would be a down the road thing anyway, but we might, Uh, we'd have to service them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they still have utilities, but not sewage. They'd have to do the holding tank, which means they got to pull them out every few days and dump their sewage. I mean, some trailers can do it once a week. It depends if they're showering in them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we just kind of split it up and said, okay, these sites are ideal for us doing that Airbnb strategy. The other ones, let's just let people keep booking. Uh, they can do their transient trailer nights. Uh, so people want to drag their trailer up to Tobermory and they can, you know, go sightseeing in the day and stay on our campsite at night and, and what have you stay a week. You know, we just, we just got away from the seasonal stays where, you know, people would, would spend, you know, two grand and stay for a whole season that that heavily model, I think makes, yeah, yeah. that's heavily discounted. And it just, it, it doesn't make sense in today's, you know, that's like a lot of this stuff on, uh, on PEI. The, the last place I went over there, they had, um, some people who you could tell were going to be there for the weekend. You had other people mm-hmm. that I think they parked their unit there sometime in the early nineties and have never left. Uh, yeah. and then you could see the resort reclaiming some of these sites and building for all intents and purposes, permanent structures. And they yeah. had two models of them, uh, and they were on piers. So in theory, you could throw them on a trailer and move them elsewhere, but they were little cabins and, yeah. I thought about it at the time and I thought about it since here in Nova Scotia of the flexibility of that model um, Mm. with the advent of Airbnb. And, you know, they go through what now is a pretty traditional model. Like, oh, yeah, you book it through them. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, they haven't embraced the Airbnb model, but there's something there, man. And I think it's interesting to see. Uh, you in a market that's five years ahead looking at this. And we talked a bit on your podcast and one of your recommendations was as someone in a market that's gone through this before, take a a long, hard look at some of these big rural acreages because as the markets heat up and continue to go up in value, people start to look towards these remote locations. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's a big spreads? Do you think it's a market shift? This is getting a little bit, this is me going off the page a little bit here, Andrew. Um, do you think why is there such a growth in demand for the camping space? Because it's like, was it quiet there for a bit? Because I know, like when I started, whatever many years ago, and I went to my first few campsites, they were a little bit quiet. But I feel like over the last few years, they've been just picking up, mm-hmm. picking up, picking up. Then COVID hit, yeah. and people couldn't do a lot of stuff outside. Like, but camping remained, and it kind of yeah. pushed it in. But I'm like, is it also kind of like where the generations are now? Where like I think there was the baby boomers, and they had their kids, and that's when a lot of people went camping. And now it's like those, the next generation, people are having kids yeah. and are at that age and dispos- now. And they have disposable income. Yeah, they have disposable income. And it sure. might be more fun to go camping than it would be to take your kids to downtown Montreal and stay at the W. Like, do you know what I mean? Is that, do you think that's kind of what's driving I, the driving force now? I in the honest, like the Tobermore area specifically, people, it, it had been picking up a little steam. It got some mentions in Blog TO. And I, I don't know why the demographic seems to, you know, be going there. But Muskoka was always popular, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say necessarily camping was popular, but cottaging yeah. always was. Yeah. Uh, but I think what really happened is is the lockdown and not being able to cross the border for non-essential travel caused people to look within Ontario for places to go. Mm-hmm. And 
And then that didn't just go away because once they realized, hey, this is pretty nice. And I'm a big believer that Ontario is actually quite beautiful. Like I, I'm no fan of, of Canada politically, but I love Ontario in the summer. I love yeah. wine wine region, Niagara on the Lake, Niagara Falls, um, Tobermory. I like I like all these different areas. I think they all have their own beauty. And I think as as people who live here, we overlook it a lot. Yeah. I mean, not to say that like you guys probably look at far more beautiful things because you have the ocean, but uh, it's nice you know, here. like there's there's a lot a lot of value in Ontario that people didn't didn't necessarily get to see. And I think that that's what's really, really made a change here is it now that they can travel again, sure, that might, that demand might go down a little bit, mm-hmm. but people still know now, hey, the cat's out of the bag. There's there's a lot of really great places that we can go and visit. You know, we now we've got the camping bug. Now we want to do that. I don't really particularly love camping, but I love Airbnb stays. I like, I like vintage. I, you know, I like cool stuff and cool stays and I like experience that area. It, so it's, it's, it's yeah, experiences, experience right? Yeah. So, so we're going to throw some Airstreams. we got a couple of Airstream trailers that we're, we're putting out nice. there. Vintage looking. What's value for when Neil trailers. comes? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So we're just going to kind of keep, keep acquiring. So we have, you know, we have the, the two different brands and, 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 you know, basically anything under the Grotto getaway will be like a really unique experience. Get like uh, an old school bus and convert it. You can do some cool stuff. That would be sweet. I mean, yeah. And we're dealing with manpower challenges. So it's like what we launched this year will include the tents and a handful of trailers. And then we'll, we'll continue to build that as we, as we make money from what we're doing and we can put that back into the business. To Neil's question, I think it's a combination of things. We, uh, you know, the nostalgic time that you're referencing, our population was probably set 25% less than it is now. Right. Mm-hmm. So maybe some of this move of more people wanting to, to camp again is actually just that there's more people. Also those people we do have are more condensed into the city. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so there's, there's that element of it. I think there's also been, I don't know. I, I just don't think, uh, I think people now are looking for a different experience where they transitioned from, we know we don't want the rustic, like I don't own a tent, you know, I live in a 500 square foot apartment. I can't keep tenting supplies and all my camping gear and all these things, my fishing rods mm-hmm. in my apartment. <laughs> but if you can offer me a turnkey experience that has mm-hmm. some creature comforts that I'm used to, that I'll sign up for, you know, mm-hmm. one or two night getaway, not a seven day excursion, you know, that I have yeah. to r- really dive into. So I think it's a really, really cool yeah. marketplace to get into. I think too, as like what we've talked about, we talked about in yours, is like with everything changing in the economy, with like consumer debt being where it is, and the average person I think is going to want to spend a little less. I think things like camping might make more sense because mm-hmm. going to another city and staying in a hotel and eating at fancy restaurants and all that is extremely expensive. And this might provide That's a more yeah, so <laughs> might provide a more affordable option for people when it's like okay, I can stay at a at a campsite, yeah. bring normal food, and like you said, if all the creature comforts are sure. kind of already there, they just have to pull up with groceries. It can be yeah. kind of a fun thing, and I, and I think it's it is different a lot of fun. too. Yeah, it's, it, it's it's a lot of fun in its own right. Yeah, yeah, and we, and we look at that, you know, like wh- who are we competing with for the campsite? You know, you're competing with with you know the motels and you know whatever. But you know, a lot of people just looking for a place to stay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, basic camping works great, right? Because that area can get really expensive. And then we've got our other demographic that we know they want to spend money for an experience, and and we want to give them that experience. And you know, it's mm-hmm. a it's a great win win. So we're we're certainly excited about that. So and that's just one of you know many things I have on my my plate right now. But that because we're right at launch, right right here in May, one. it's uh, it's been intense. Yeah. Before we switch to your other projects, I want to ask. So this mm-hmm. is an active business, really. And you keep you're saying mm-hmm. we. So do you have a partner? Is it? Uh, yeah, this, I got a couple of business partners on this, guys that um, I've, well, my brother-in-law, my, a former business partner of mine that we did a bunch of uh, stuff together and then uh, someone that he works with. So we've actually got four of us involved in this project. And you know what? There, there's more than enough um, in just, just at a high level uh, coordination to go around. We have full-time site managers um, on site. Uh, we have another uh, full-time employee that we just brought on. And we're probably going to be hiring another couple. Uh, so, you know, this is very much, yes, an active business, but our mission and mandate is delegate everything. Like we're not, mm-hmm. uh, we're not in this to run this, we're in this to build it and, mm-hmm. and, and make it something that can operate without our, our uh, intervention and then do it again, <laughs> buy yeah. more of them. So Lot- we were already looking at new, new campgrounds to buy. We're like, well, yeah, you know man, what? this gets me. <laughs> I know I'm all fired up right now. I'm sitting here going, all right, I need to get off so I can go look at campgrounds. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. last question for you on a refinance, what do you expect on like a LTV? 
like percentage wise. Yeah, that's the that's the trick. Yeah, I think we're going to be in the the fifty five to sixty five. Yeah, uh, I was going to say you're probably short term rentals sixty five thirty five. Yeah, well, short term rentals, but also land. You could make an argument that it's just a straight commercial uh, operation, yeah. right? It's not residential in any capacity. No, it's not. I mean, it's it's all how they they value it. I mean, uh, there are physical buildings which can be secured, but then you've got trailers which you know technically. Uh, we'd either need to, to finance those separately because they're technically movable and they have VIN numbers mm-hmm. or, you know, can we find a lender that's going to, you know, to finance those as part of the package? That's that's a little bit more of a unique yeah. approach. So it's for that reason that, you know, I think I think that we're going to be facing evaluation more based on its land and income earning potential, not necessarily its current use. Um, that being said, we've already had some pretty favorable uh, appraisals on it. And, uh, you know, depending on what the market does, maybe, maybe things change a bit, but uh, we're confident enough in, in the income we can earn that regardless of, you know, what kind of financing we need to stick with, we can, we can still make it work. Interesting. No, that, that's super cool. Sorry. I know we dived really hard into that. What else you got on the plate? Well, the other big thing is, is uh, Cape Coral, Florida doing a new construction. Yeah. So I'd, I started last year just picked up picked up five lots and then uh, decided, okay, I'm going to aggressively pick up some more lots. Uh, this year, I've got a few building contracts underway right now. And uh, I'm actually looking to scale that up to about 20 at a time, which isn't going to happen overnight. But um, the numbers made sense down there. I was able to, uh, you know, I was buying lots and uh, starting at 23,000, bought a few at that price and as high as about 45,000 for dry lots in Northwest Cape Coral. And uh, basically building anywhere from 18, 1850 square feet uh, with triple car garage, pool, uh, outdoor kitchen to, you know, 2150. And uh, price wise for for the building, I'm getting into, you know, being it all in with a lot for anywhere from 400 to 450 mm-hmm. uh, us yeah which i mean these numbers compared to ontario compared to canada yeah. you know compared to a lot of other markets in the us make a ton of sense and cape coral is a very much a value area compared to the rest of southwest florida are you selling them off maples. or you're, you're keeping them so my current plan is sell one keep one I don't want to sell, but you know, it, it's, I'm actually working on getting my E2 investor visa so that I can nice. potentially make Florida my tax home and not, uh, not pay Canadian taxes. So, uh, in doing that, um, you know, they, they want to see an income strategy that, you know, is, is enough to like, you know, warrant basic, it's a viable, it's enough yeah. to warrant Yeah. My, my running it being there and all that. So, uh, part of a bigger plan. But uh, yeah, no matter what, I would I would have been selling some of them. Uh, it's just you know it's a great way to get liquid down there and do more and keep more. What um, what are you doing for financing? Is it an American bank that's? I'm working on that. So far, so far all cash, <laughs> which okay. is painful. Yeah. Um, but I'm working on uh, loans right now. I'm in the middle of an application process. Uh, I've got a kind of a verbal approval, and. Um, yeah, so we'll be doing doing some private financing. It's not cheap, but uh, basically draw loans that I where I only pay interest on what I'm borrowing at the time. So nice. uh, these are these are pretty quick projects. Actually, uh, once we're shoveling the ground, we're like six seven months. So, so it's uh, it's turning around quick. So there was a number of reasons I really liked it. Uh, I'm, I uh, basically agreed to partner with a guy that had been doing this for ten years with this specific builder, and uh, I partnered with him. Uh, agreed to finance the deal. And I, I just wanted to meet his builder. So I talked to him about it. I said, I, you know, this is my plan. This is what I want to do. He was okay with it. Um, and now I'm, you know, b- building a relationship with that builder, working with her directly. And uh, it's, it's been going, it's been going well. And, you know, I've, this is tough for me because I've been a real control freak, uh, being my own general contractor and, and, you know, to be able to sign a contract and, and not have to make every, you know, micromanaged decision throughout the process. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. So they actually have predetermined models that they build. They have like six or seven different models they build and you pick from one. So okay. you're, they're not going to just build you a custom home. You tell them which of their models, which they know every dollar and cent to the T on how to build it and, yeah. uh, and say, go. And I know that kind of thing sort of exists here too, but down there, you don't have the, you know, the big HST build at the end of the, the, uh, the build, you don't have what we have here on Ontario called Terry Like it's a warranty program, not the same, like general contractors, you know, I think for a year they have to make sure that things are okay, but yeah. Yeah. We've got the, from my standpoint, new home warranty out here. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. So and 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 like no development charges to speak of really. I think my impact and, and permitting costs are like twelve grand versus to build something in in like Burlington. I think you're like seventy five. Uh, London's in the forties for a. And they wonder home, why so. we have like an issue yeah. with housing. Why every like, house costs seven hundred thousand yeah. dollars to build? Yeah. yeah. And this is why. Yeah. You know why would people maybe want to move to Florida? Right. In, in the immigration to Florida, like just like Southwest Florida, the area, like as of last year, they were saying it's like 2000 people a day. Like it was something ridiculous. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what, that can't go on forever. No. Okay. But, no. And it, and it's politically volatile too, because Florida is a bit of a swing state, although it's becoming a little bit more red. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's tough. It's tough to know exactly how that goes. But again, I still look at it relative price point where can you get so much property for that price? You know, 80 foot lots, 80 by 120. Um, you know, you're not far from the ocean all around and, you know, 750 square feet in your garage alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are big properties with pools. Yeah. Like, it's to me, like we live in a pretty small house right now. We're about to move, but it's just like, wow, that's, I could really see myself in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what's one of those houses retailing for? Have you sold any or? Uh, no, we're holding off. Um, could could sell them based on the market there's like average six or seven days on market right now uh, yeah. very much a seller's market there uh, um anywhere from so i'm seeing like the the smaller model that i mentioned with a pool going for like 575 right now wow and um, the bigger one i actually don't have a comp for that because it hasn't i haven't seen that model sold on a uh, dry lot they're usually on a on water and they're going for you know eight hundred thousand plus so nice. mine being a dry lot you know, it's if if the other one's worth five seventy five, this one should be worth you know mid to low six six fifty range. Yeah, yeah, six six twenty five six fifty. Gotcha. No, that's a, that's a pretty yeah. good return then for sure if you can get through them yeah, once you get the, some financing in place. The built in equity, right? It's all setting up the systems, right? So I figured, why not scale it, right? If the system works, scale it, and you know, because these sometimes these opportunities are a flash in the pan, right? Like sometimes they don't last. So when you see something that works, <laughs> yeah. for me, I, I want to strike while the iron's hot. So, so to speak. this sounds to me like you're not sitting on the sidelines while there's some maybe pessimism out there in the market. Well, you know, again, it's 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 very much relative price point. Um, I, I do believe that people look at communities where where the prices made more sense or make more sense. And those communities where the prices make more sense aren't as affected negatively when when there's a downturn. It's the the, the cities like Toronto and Vancouver that are, are the most likely to correct because their values were the most like the most inflated. Um, so I look at this and I, I see it as a nice hedge over what I'm doing in Ontario. And uh, no, I'm not sitting on the sidelines because how much sitting on the sidelines can you really do? We can't sit around forever. You know, there's, I've watched over the last two years where I sort of, you know, I took my foot off the gas with the lockdowns because I saw this situation brewing uh, exactly what we're seeing right now. I knew that we were going to face an inflation crisis crisis from the first lockdown Mm -hmm. uh, because you can't shut down people's businesses and start printing money and not expect that to happen. Uh, Why that surprised anybody? Like, well, you know, what's funny. I was saying, who was I saying this to the other day? I'm like, yeah, man, for two years, me and Neil have been like, oh, my God, these rates are going to rise, man. This is going to there's going to be so much inflation. These rates are going to have to come up. Yeah. And then still longer than I thought. Like I I said the same thing. If this was any other scenario, these rates already would have been risen. uh, And then I'm still pissed and somewhat surprised when the rates (laughs) are risen. I'm like, yeah, I mean, exactly what we said was going to happen. What happened? Yeah. Um, The thing that frustrated me and frustrated a lot of investors um, is they said in 2020, we can expect these rates to be low until the end of 2023. And, yeah. you know, a simple Google search on that promise, like they said, these will remain low until the end of 2023. And yeah. if you look at what people were even doing six, seven months ago, or, you know, 12 months ago, you had no reason not to um, take them at their word on that and lock in a variable product. Mm-hmm. And so people are going to be maybe a little harder up than, than they're hoping to be as a result. Um, so yeah, it's frustrating, but, um, yeah, That's are why you, I learned never to, never to take the government out their word. Yeah, I, was yeah, saying, yeah. Just, I think the, the trust, <laughs> especially the bank of Canada. Yeah. Um, so yeah, go ahead. I was say, well, the next thing I was going to ask you about is do you have any multi-unit projects going on in Ontario? 
Uh, no, no, not like I have no more active projects outside of that, like that campground and just, just what I'm currently holding. And then, yeah, everything active is, is now south of the border and the campground. So I kind of just decided, you know, I want to, I want to get some investments over into the States as a a political hedge and and a hedge among a few other things. If it'd be great to have that, uh, that uh, visa and be able to transition there. Yeah, I'm I'm in the exact same boat. That's what I'm trying to I'm trying to get that started right now to make the move. I'm mm-hmm. shopping in North Carolina. So North Carolina is beautiful. Yeah, uh, we we spent some time there North North Raleigh. Really yeah. really nice area. There's there's just so many great spots in the states. I mean, of course there's <laughs> there's not there's not nice spots too. Yes. but uh, there's you know you've got a buffet of options down there. Exactly. Um, what I'm just gonna ask you. So you're in Hamilton. Burlington. 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 Burlington yeah. Sorry. Right next what, door. what is what are the multi unit trade for there? Like a just like a normal mid level, nothing like not brand new product. Not Six unit mid century. Yeah. Like we're like everything's north of three hundred grand a door. Like three hundred grand a door. Know. And what yeah, kind of rents would you get out of a two bedroom in those buildings? Well, okay. So just thinking, and I'm not probably like the you know the expert on Hamilton, but I mean Burlington's a little bit different. Rent wise, like I know they're the duplexes are doing like 2,500 on the upper basement can get 2,000. Uh, so if you're if you're looking at apartments like that, maybe a little bit of an adjustment downward because they're obviously not quite as nice as the, the duplex new, uh, units, yeah. But uh, yeah, the rents have been getting pushed up, but they're not that much higher than the rents you guys told me you're getting out there earlier, yeah. yeah. Based on like based on relative to purchase price, res- relative to household income, relative to GDP, our rents are actually pretty high here in Nova Scotia. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, you'll see markets like that, right? Like there are markets like that and they don't make a ton of sense. And then you'll see people are, are not like enthusiastic about it. And I'm like, man, those, those, those rents are amazing. Like you, you could so easily replace your income with those cash flows. And then you look at markets like I've been dabbling in, like wondering why I didn't make transitions to higher cash flow markets earlier. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's hard to see sometimes. Cause usually, like you said, a higher cash flow market is not, as exciting in, in the time and that's a reason it is a higher cash flow yeah. market and so you're kind of buying in in advance yeah. um once it gets going then you're like oh like we talked about homogeneous but like yeah. it's going there at the first point that it doesn't feel super exciting the values aren't necessarily cranking up you weren't able to crank your rents up and you might not get mm-hmm. the best quality tenant to get started um but i'm, I'm with you the water the water always flows down so it's better to go downstream and, and kind of catch that versus trying to yeah. jump into the pool up at the top and and Hope it goes well. Yeah, that's what I would change. You know, giving it over again, like being a control freak never really served me. I needed to find ways to, you know, to delegate to new GCs and and not just try and, you know, I, I would only stick in markets I felt like my team could work on when we're what I really should have been doing is going to, you know, places like Chatham, Windsor, going to good know, going markets out and east. building a team. Yeah, yeah, like high cash flow markets and just go spend time there. Uh, go go to their real real estate meetups and and find general contractors that frequent them. Uh, uh, my biggest thing, biggest takeaway from my experiences in the states is basically look for for people who have a reputation and have something to lose if they don't they don't deal well with you. If they if they do things that are you know um, that are unethical, then then word gets out and they they have something to lose. So I'm a big fan in the states. You can look up RIAs, real estate investment associations, and you can just go to a local meetup and anyone there, like a lot of them have been there for 10, 15 years and like they know each other. And uh, that's big. If you can start, start, you know, knowing them by name and they know you by name uh, that changes the whole game. And then you don't have, then you can delegate better uh, because you know, these people have, have a vested interest in in doing good business. Let's talk about real estate community. Obviously you've worked to build an online presence at the same time as you've been doing all these other things. How did that come about? What was the motivation? How's that going? And what does that actually look like from a, day-to-day operational, you know, community. Okay. So, uh, it started where I just, I wanted to put out a whole bunch of value and didn't know exactly how it would would work out, but I wanted to build a name in real estate and and be known for that. Um, and then, you know, maybe people would pay me to speak one day, or maybe I would monetize that. I didn't know how I would monetize it, but I I knew there would be ways. The other thing was I wanted the community. I I wanted to be able to connect with people locally because I didn't really know anybody in real estate investing up this way. I had, I had my London contacts, but I didn't, I didn't really have anybody up here. So starting the podcast, I, I started the meetup. I used to do a meetup uh, probably about three months in, you know, first one, we had like 25 people out. We got like, we got it up to a hundred people coming out to these meetups, real estate investors getting together, um, sharing stories. And I know a lot of very successful real estate investors that have come to those meetups and many of them didn't start becoming successful until after coming to them. So Mm -hmm. I've seen an incredible amount of people 
follow on the podcast, learn a whole bunch and, and then go out and absolutely crush it. And, um, that's a pretty rewarding feeling. Uh, but you know what, it's kind of like Kevin O'Leary says, you know, why, why be on TV? Well, because pretty much no matter who he calls, they'll take his call. I think that that's, that's certainly been a benefit. The, the meetings I can get into the people I, uh, you know, I have the, um, privilege of being able to talk to and, and, you know, bounce ideas off of has been really helpful to me. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm grateful for that. And, and I, I want to keep pushing that forward. And then of course there's going to be, um, there's going to be that, that monetization strategy eventually. Um, you know, I am looking at, at the opportunity to start a, a real estate fund and in which case, you know, I've got a base, uh, to, you know, to launch an exempt market product too. So, uh, there's, you never know, right. I haven't really directly monetized the podcast. I never really wanted to load it with commercials. Uh, to this day, I've never run a paid commercial, uh, after three and a half, almost years. And, uh, not to say that I won't nothing wrong with that, but, uh, I just, it had to be worthwhile. And to me, just making, you know, a couple hundred bucks for a commercial never really felt like a good reason yeah. <laughs> yet. Yeah. <laughs> but that being said, you know, I, I have, you know, now I have like a full-time video editor and it's like, well, I'd like to at least cover his salary. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. so, so there's that, but uh, yeah, so maybe making some changes, but uh, it's been going well. Um, it's one of those things that once I started, I couldn't stop. So yeah. I, once I got to the point that it's at, I couldn't stop doing it. And I do, I do uh, greatly enjoy connecting with people such as yourselves. And, you know, I'd much rather do it face to face. That's, that's what I really enjoy getting, you know, doing the in-studio sessions and then, you know, you can chat for like an hour afterwards. And that's, uh, that's a great way of doing it. But yeah, the community has by far been the best, the best thing to come of it. That's yeah. awesome, man. We've kind of, that's very similar to, to our motivation here. So yeah. uh, we can relate to that. Where can people find you? So uh, on Instagram, Oh, um, at the Andrew Hines and then on any of the podcast platforms, if you just search Andrew Hines, uh, you might want to throw in real estate there. You'll find, find me wherever you listen to or watch your podcast. Awesome. Okay, any last kind of parting thoughts? We usually ask people what, what success means to them. Um, I'm sure that's something you've given some thought to. What would you have to say to people? Uh, what success means to you? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, you know, ultimately, I think I think success is is being able to live life on your terms every single day, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you have one thing that you want to do. Like people always, you know, talk about your why, and I think a why is important, but a why isn't necessarily you know one thing that you want to do, or you know, if I could only just buy that second home or quit my job, I think it's being able to kind of choose each day and say what do I want to do today, and and what's what's going to bring me the most enjoyment and fulfillment in my life today. And now that I have a son, that's, you know, got, that has a whole extra layer. It's a motivator, and man. Yeah. Not that's a oh, huge a motivator. motivator. Biggest, yeah. biggest motivator I've ever, ever had. Cause you know, success is the only possible outcome. Like I won't allow it to be anything else. And that's for him because I want to be able to be, be there for him. And, and that means no matter what happens in any of my ventures, I'll, I'll make it, I'll make it work. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter if they don't go great. So that was a big reason to not sit on the sidelines. You know what, whatever happens, I can deal with it. I can, I can, I kind of feel the same way, man. Like it's going to be a different market maybe for the next 12 months, maybe for the next two years. Um, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. Yeah. We figured it out this far. So yeah, you figured it out I'm this sure far. People are still going to yeah. need a place to live. They still, they are still going to need a place to live. Place so. to live. Yeah, yeah. And there'll be opportunities, man. Yeah. Like there's that terrible expression, like the best time to invest is when there's blood in the streets. Right. Like, right. And, so. and I look at that, like, so when, if that does happen, let's cost average our way out of it. Let's, let's yep. go buy some cheap yeah. real estate. Let's not yep. cry over spilled milk. Let's go buy some cheap real estate. Yeah. And, uh, I love bring it, man. some investors together. Let's yeah. It's <laughs> not the crash that's going to kill you. It's how you're going to handle it. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Cool. Well, listen, Andrew, yeah. thanks so much for your time. Appreciate the opportunity to come on your podcast. Encourage everyone to check out Andrew's podcast as well. Um, happy to you know connect again in a few months and maybe see how that project is going. Uh, everyone can yeah. find that online too. And if you're up uh, yeah. in uh, Ontario, I'm looking for a great place to stay. Yeah. If you guys are ever out this way and you want to get around a golfing or something, just let me know. Will do. Absolutely. Thanks, thanks man. All right, care. guys. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a rating and send us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Master Keys Podcast. See you next week. When, 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 when I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh.